Hey everyone, welcome back to the Deep Blue Holder podcast. For those of you joining us for the first time, I'm your host, Larry Holder. And, you know, um, this is my little initiative where I take the opportunity to chat with different persons involved in the primarily the scuba industry. Um, well, we also to look at people who would be in adjacent industries, such as uh, uh, marine biologists, fishermen, uh, free divers, uh, engineers, uh, different persons along those uh, different lines. Occasionally, we will have some bonus episodes, which may cover topics that I'm a little bit interested in, uh, but they may not necessarily be scuba related. Uh, but those are going to be um, a little bit in, in between. You know, it's, it's not going to happen very often. Uh, anyhow, uh, over the last week, I would have made my website public. That's right, thebluholder.com. It's out there. Feel free to check it out. It still uh, has a couple of things being done. I have to replace some of the, the stock photography still. Um, but, you know, uh, it's, things are a little bit difficult to get to accomplish with regards to the limitations. Uh, when you look at the limitations that we have uh, due to the pandemic and the, the lockdown. I uh, definitely need to get some, some professional photos taken and placed on the site. But, you know, it's a little difficult to get what I want done right now. But I, I'm working on it. I have, I have some things in place that should happen in the very near future. Uh, in addition to that, I would have uh, launched a Facebook page for the Blue Holder podcast. Uh, you can check it out and follow there. Um, and, you know, other than that, I've just been... Doing, doing the usual, which is looking at different uh, ways to produce new content and also looking ahead to when next I'll be diving. Um, I also recently did a bit of a fishing trip. Uh, not a fishing trip, let me rephrase that. I went fishing uh, North Coast Trinidad uh, with a really good friend of mine, one of my best friends, we're really close. And uh, we went fishing on the North Coast of Trinidad and we caught some kingfish. We got about, we got six kingfish, nice, lovely fish. It's one of my favorite to eat. And uh, we got about nine or 10 bites on the lines, uh, but we lost two, at least two that we lost were definitely other kingfish because while we were pulling them in, you know, we saw them there and then we lost them. Um, a couple of the others were not kingfish. Well, actually, no, let me rephrase that. I'm not sure what those others were, uh, but, you know, we, we, we lost those. They, they just took the beta and left. Um, you know, having said that, it, it was fun. Uh, we were able to see, we were quite fortunate to see some dolphins in action. Um, we saw a part of them just ahead of the boat while we were going out. And as we passed them, they started to put on a bit of a show. It was quite an amazing spectacle. It was, it was just, wow. It was, <laughs> I'm a little lost for words thinking about it. You know, you look at, dolphins on television as children or, you know as a child and you see them just leap out of the water splash and to see them doing that behind a boat that we're going out fishing from wow you know that's that was just something uh, I had so much fun that I'm going to be going fishing again this weekend it's my birthday weekend by the way uh, September you know it's it's my month so uh, over the weekend I will be doing some more fishing we'll see what I catch hopefully it's something good no, but uh, now that we've gone through all those little things, uh, we have a really interesting guest for, for you today. Um, that guest is none other than Mr. Andrew Lewis. Now, Andrew Lewis, unlike some of the previous uh, guests that we've ha had, 
he's not known for scuba diving. He's actually a sailor. Andrew participated in the Olympic Games, represented Trinidad and Tobago on three separate occasions in the laser class of sailing. That's uh, one of the smaller boat sizes. Uh, Andrew also does a lot of free diving. So, you know, we had a chance to, to connect and have a little conversation. And we speak here about his journey into the Olympics, um, some stuff about his, his childhood and where he saw himself. And of course, we chat a little bit about free diving. And, um, you know, we closed off the conversation talking about a few other things involving um, the current state of uh, access to, to the ocean and the beaches in Trinidad and Tobago, our home country. So, you know, I think it's a really nice discussion and I think you all would enjoy it. So please feel free to stick around and listen to the rest of the, the, this episode. And at the end, you can leave a little bit of a review if you like. And of course, share it with your friends because I really want this to get out to more people. Uh, and you know, you all have any feedback, you can send it to me directly via the Facebook page. I check it every day. And uh, I respond to as many of the messages as possible. So without further ado, let's just go straight into, let's, let's dive into that interview with Mr. Andrew Lewis. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Deep Blue Holder podcast. Today, we're joined by a guest who should not be a stranger to any, anybody from the Trinidad and Tobago community. We have with us none other than Olympian Andrew Lewis. Andrew, how are you doing today, man? I am well, Ari. Thank you very much for having me and um, looking forward to, to diving in. <laughs> yeah, for real, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, let me just start off by saying not just thank you for for being on the podcast. Uh, I know we've been chatting a bit before, but also thank you for the service you've given to us in terms of representing us in a in a discipline where we never had representation before from Trinidad and Tobago, as far as I know. Well, we, we have had representation before um, in the Tokyo Olympics was the last one, not 2020, uh-huh. 64. Wow. And that was in those days, you didn't have to qualify for the Olympic Games. Um, you just had to have someone who, maybe some countries had qualifications, but they would have qualif- qualified um, internally amongst themselves as a nation. Right. Jean-Marc Holder um, has gone to the Olympic Games for Trinidad and Tobago. And in those very, very far back days where sailing was just um, a bit easier to attend, I should say. Right. And you just said his name was Jean-Marc Holder? Yeah. Wow, the man has my last name. Look at this. Look at that. <laughs> so who knows? Maybe there's some, some connection there. It's very well Yeah. very well So tell me, um, the journey that got you on the path to participate in, in the Olympics, and you've not been in the Olympics once. You've been there how many times now? Three. Three times. How, how did that journey actually get started? Um, my love and passion for the ocean was there at a young age. Um, yeah. I, I believe your environment has a massive impact on you as a human being. So, for example, uh, me growing up around the ocean has that attachment and love for it. 
me growing up around uh, my father, who is an extremely um, successful businessman and has that aspect. Of so I knew that I wanted to create a business out of sport because I succeeded very well in sport. Right. And education, I was pretty average. Um, so whatever my gift was, I wanted to make a life through it. And being around a business family, I should say, I knew I needed to turn it into a business to succeed in it and, ha and have a life of sailing. Right. Okay. Okay. So when I was 13 years old, I was, uh, I mean, for me, it's, most of us sound young, but since I was 10, 11 years old, I was selling lemonade on the side of the road and always trying to make a dollar there to right. buy my own things, I should say. But 13 years old, um, there's a classic story of which four of us sat in a circle in the World Championships in sailing in Ecuador. Um, we were um, all the same. What would we like to do when we grew up? And um, one said ship's pilot, other helicopter pilot, other said businessman, and I said Olympic sailor. Right. And the other three said, oh, well, hold on. We all want to be that, but we know that's not possible from where we come. Mm. So their environment has, uh, at a young age, told them that that belief system is very challenging or impossible. But for me, my environment was not like that, as well as the, the way I had grown up, that saying that, you know, you could really go for your big dreams and achieve them. So I sat out at a young age to, to make that dream possible and continue sailing, continue sailing. And I tried for the uh, Beijing 2008 Olympic Games. I didn't make it then. Right. Um, for me, it was a make or break at that point because at a teenage, at the teenage days, it's very uh, fragile. Um, where my emotions were strong, my passion was strong. I was strong emotion, a strong passion. I have big highs and also big lows. And because I didn't succeed at it, I said I don't want anything to do this again. Let me follow the rest of the boys and go and shift pilot, helicopter pilot, businessman. But that didn't last too long, maybe um, five, six, seven months of that heartbreak. And before right. I knew it, I was back in the boat working towards London 2012 because a man that follows his heart, um, even though my heart sometimes will be very uh, pulling to two different directions, Right. I, I listen to my heart and I really um, try to, if it pulls me two directions, I pull it whichever one is strongest and I try to feel that out. And before I knew it, I was qualifying for one Olympics, then two Olympics, now three Olympics, and, and let's see if there's a fourth. Yeah, that, that would be great. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you know, thank you. As, as, a, as a fan, I mean, I have to say, there's one thing that I dislike about Trinidad and Tobago when it comes to the Olympics. You all get the best hoodies and the best attire, and I can't buy it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We do get some amazing gain. Uh, yeah. In London and, and Rio was Adidas. This one was Puma. Yeah. And um, I believe that is something to change of the future, um, making it possible to, to buy it. Uh, and I know that that is something they're trying to work on. It just has a little bit of a, a some some hurdles to get over. But I agree I with you. I imagine so. I do believe that that should be uh, available to the public because in the end it gives sales to Puma. And it gives yeah. sales to um, the TTOC, yeah. and it increases love and uh, support for the overall team. Right, agreed. I mean, I I took the opportunity to support when we had the, there was a 5K, um, a virtual 5K that the TTOC did to raise some funds. And um, 
the day that I went in to meet with Mr. Lewis to collect my um uh my medal, um, he was actually in the process of sending back some of the silver medals that the really a team got from Beijing because they got bumped up due to some um, other things that happened. And right. I was fortunate enough to be to actually see an Olympic medal and just think to myself, wow. I mean, this is this is the prize that um, well, one of the prizes that our athletes strive towards. And you know, in mm -hmm. some cases, just being there to represent must be a big prize in itself. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah. It, it's um, you know, growing up for me, sailing was you know a, a way of life, um, a journey of seeing the world, of pushing myself to limits, of breaking records of seeing what I could do coming from the small island and overall success. Mm -hmm. But most importantly, happiness, which I believe everybody wants the same exact thing, you know, a life of happiness. So for me, it was all about trying my best to travel the world, compete, um, campaign is the right word, and succeed. And every time I would make it to an Olympic game, just the qualifying, would right. be a massive breakthrough for me and say, oh, wow, feels, it's always a very emotional experience to say that, wow, I did this again. And then we go and try and win the medal um, because the qualifying has gotten harder and harder every single Olympic Games. They're cutting down the quota and okay. the qualifying process has been more challenging. You have a lot of young and upcoming athletes who are hungry, who love your Olympic pathway and journey. Um, but sailing to this day has... I thank the sport of sailing for uh, and the Olympic Games for, for such a beautiful pathway in my life. Nice. Always would give a lot of respect. Um, without those two, I wouldn't be the same Andrew as I am today. Right, right. And, but what, what sailing and what the sport is to me today is not what it was when I was 15, 16 years old. You know? What it mm. is today, it's opportunity. Um, it is my pathway self-mastery whereas before it was um you know let me try and win a little big medals and get famous and, and make money and, and cars and house and a lot of things that they tend to get shown off with success not only in sport but in many aspects of life um, and no matter how successful i have gotten i've always tried to stay uh, humble i've always tried to stay grounded and, and the, older I got, um, I was trying to say healthier. Because right. uh, the truth is I used to love to party a lot and, and that doesn't work too well at sports. And um, I, 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 just the things that I used to do weren't as healthy as they were now. Right. And that's what I like about sailing. It, is, it has taken me down this journey to meet incredible people, to work with incredible mentors, um, to increase my health, um, increase my spirituality, and be the best version of Andrew Lewis because I know I could be better at what I do. Right. Uh, I know I could be a better person and this allows me to continue to do it. Well, I'm pretty certain that, um, and um, thanks for sharing all that, uh, I'm pretty certain that you on this journey of self-mastery would have also um, uh, inspired a lot of other people to participate in the sport in some way. Maybe even, not, even if it's not to participate in the sport, but to try sailing. Um, I have to say that I myself was inspired by you to try it. Um, I was on a small, very random vacation in Grenada uh, about 65 or six years ago. And um, one of the things that was included in the hotel was uh, two free sessions 
on the on a a, a Hobie cat little mm. sailboat and um mm -hmm. this guy gave me a little instruction and then he said okay um now you can go out and just use the boat for an hour so i said well i mean uh, this is my first time uh, is am i going to be okay they said it's fine the boat has a gps so i was like but what about me and he says no well you stay on the boat so, um, so I, went out and I tried it and i have to say it was fun um uh, it, it's, there's a lot to think about because you know I had to think about well okay the wind direction but also the current uh, pay attention to what's around and it, there was that feeling of ooh, of um I, I don't want to say oneness but I feel like that's that's how it was you know like just feeling like if my movement and my the way to get to my destination was entirely dependent on me understanding how nature was behaving at that point. And adapting to the direction of nature to get to, to where I wanted to go. So this is exactly what I'm talking about today. Is that this is what my life is like on an overall basis in all areas of my life. Um, because you know, nature, as you said, she's my biggest teacher. Uh, I don't know anyone who's a better teacher than her. And that's yeah. where the beautiful uh, sport of freediving has come into my life. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that because that's the next thing I wanted to ask you about. Uh, I saw, and I think it was for Independence Day, I can't, uh, uh, on your Instagram, there was a really nice photo of you freediving with a flag, a Trinidad Tobago flag. Um, so, so tell me about you and freediving. Tell me how that started. Um, so I'm going to go back to like... Uh, 15, 16, 17 years old. Um, another great freediver in Trinidad and Tobago, Brett Thompson. Mm -hmm. um, he, he and I would go fishing. I would have the boat. Uh, another friend of ours, Alan, would come along. Three of us would go fishing. And the sole purpose was to go out in the ocean, have a great day, but also make some money. So I would drive the boat. Um, Alan would help um, Brett. And we would try to catch as much fish as possible and then split the catch evenly. But it blew my mind that how long he was staying under the water at such a young age, how deep he was going in this water while I sailed in it and I never was like afraid of it, sailing in it and being right next to it is a way different story to being under it and not only under it, way under it, where it's almost hard to see much. And I used to think to myself like, wow, you know, like, I wish I could do that. And I would try and do it here and there, but sometimes I'll be fearful going too deep or, or, or like um, just couldn't go very deep or couldn't stay very long. And all my life, I knew I wanted to get to become, or have, a, have free diving in my life in some aspect. Right. And I always said I would. I always said I would. And years went by and years went by and I was just trying a little thing here and there with some fins and some goggles. And it's not till um, last year when I connected up with some other great free divers, uh, Josh Lewis, Christian Reese, and we were um, on a little beach off the North Coast diving and swimming. And the same thing happened. You know, I went over them. I was much better, much more confident than I was in the past. But the depth and the length of time these guys stayed under the water. I was just blown away, still blown <laughs> away. And nice. um, 
I also remember another, I shot a, a I wanted to do a big feature um, on the water sports um, in Trinidad and Tobago. And I featured free diving, sailing, um, some normal diving to kiteboarding, um, a couple of those kinds of sports. And then we mm-hmm. featured also the same Brett Thompson again in Tobago. And he was going down to this uh, wreck that's off of uh, Space Side at mm-hmm. about 95 feet going through the wreck. And I was on there with a tank filming it and seeing it. And he was just cruising. And I was thinking to myself, wow, this is insane. Yeah. And wow. I was just like, I was down there freaking out because I was in a tank enjoying what it was and watching him doing this. I was like, I got to be able to do this one day. Yeah. So, you know, up to last year, I was still trying it, trying it. And um, another great mentor of mine, George Bovell, who's another mm-hmm. fantastic, uh, not only Olympian, but free diver. Yeah. Um, George and I have connected very well on a, on a real brotherly basis, on a mentor, mentor kind of vibes. Right. And I was telling him, you know, I want to, I want to free dive. I want to free dive. And he was, he would guide me a little bit and talk a little about it. And I started doing a lot of pranayama to do breath holes on land and different yeah. things that could increase my um, lung capacity. And, and eventually he said, all right, cool. You're in the Canary Islands training. You got to go and meet this guy. You got to go meet this guy. So his name is Miguel Lozano, and he's a world champion at, at going down to 160 meters. Wow. Yeah, um, from, from, from Barcelona, Spain, but he has a, he has a, in the Canary Islands, he has a school. So I messaged Miguel, and Miguel said, I'm sorry, my camp is full. And then I said, I know George Bovell, and he said, oh, wow, George. And I explained to him, I want to do this for the Olympic Games, and I get a certified free diving, I want to push my limits, I want to be in good company. Yeah, and eventually I get Miguel to let me into his course, um, which he like, he moved some things around, and eventually I had to change island to um, Grand Canary, and I get there and I meet I meet them, and we do this three day extremely in depth free diving level one course, level one in the uh, Spanish Spanish view, not Paddy, mm-hmm. um, and the in the level of the first day is just all theory, talking about. Uh, how the lungs work and, and the carbon dioxide and oxygen and, and safety and, and so much, so much interesting stuff to me that um, I was always trying to connect it back. How can I better myself as a sailor? How can I yeah. win medals as a sailor? Because I was using pre-diving before that as my recovery. So after sailing, we would come out of the water in the Canary Islands, put on my fins, but I'd go in a Speedo and a mask to get mm. maximum cold water on me right. to rejuvenate, to so get the muscles moving and get mm. the cold water moving and get that uh, recuperation. But you can't stay as long because your body is burning more, um, is creating more carbon because it's so cold. But I was still using it for fun. It was a really nice way to do recovery every day of sailing. Um, eventually, after going and working with Miguel on day one with Terry and day two in the water, um, we did some pool stuff. And he was challenging me in the pool, challenging me, trying to do as much laps as possible underwater. And I was yeah. pushing it, pushing it real hard. And I was, I was really amazed because just by spending time with him learning how to breathe, um, I was doubling my static breath hold from what it used to be. Right. So that to me was like, oh, wow. It's just because I was breathing wrong the whole time. Um, and I never knew how to breathe like how these guys breathe. So those things increased and I was like, oh, wow, I'm really excited to go into the ocean. And when we were in the ocean, um, 
you know, I like to push, you know, maybe that's my athletic mindset or whatever it is. But I said, you know what, whatever the, the safety depth was, I was going right. to go to the bottom of that. Okay. Because one, I had safeties there. And two, I knew that I had the capacity to do it, but it was more mental than anything else. Mm-hmm. And Larry, like I was at the start, I, I was like hype. I was too hyped. So I went down about 50 feet. At that point in time, my, my, my biggest depth was around, you know, 55, 60 feet max. Right. Um, and I went down around 50, 60 feet and we, I grabbed the rope. I got, I panicked a little bit, um, but I kept panicked in a way where I was like, okay, I'm deep enough here and back up. And I just kept going 50, 60, 70 feet. And then eventually, because I just, when I reached a certain depth, uh, especially when the free fall begins, mm-hmm. I, I never really exper- experienced free falling like that. Right. It is one of the most incredible feelings. I just, it's like a euphoria, but you cannot be ecstatic underwater because you got to stay calm. You don't want to burn any extra single molecule of your air. Mm-hmm. So every time I free fell um, around six to 70 feet, I would kind of grab your rope and stop. Um, but eventually I was like, you know, Andrew, I'm going to go down to the hundred foot. I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down. And eventually, by the end of the session, I, I did it a couple of times um, with safeties there and, and, and the whole operation very professionally well run. And it's just one of those things that, you know, I can do, mm-hmm. you know. And it, it, I did not come to the circus like <gasps> panicking <laughs> or anything crazy. So I, that should, I, could, I can go a good bit deeper still. Right. Um, but all these things, there's no need to be doing it, pushing them by yourself or, or just going out to break records. They all need to be in controlled environments, um, especially me being a new father. Yeah. Um, there's no need for me to be um, pushing anything that is not responsible the right way. I love challenges, but in this day and age, more than ever, it's a challenge responsibly. Understood, understood. And congrats, by the way, on uh, uh, that new step in life, uh, fatherhood. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. Yeah, now you're probably going to be missing out on some sleep for the next couple of years. <laughs> That's yeah. all right. With, with love, with, with love, I, I welcome it. Awesome. I have a, I have a seven-year-old nephew, uh, but nice. he gets all the benefits as being, a, you know, um, <laughs> as close to a child as, uh, close <laughs> to my own child as I could have right now. So, I hear uh, yeah. And he's actually um, looking forward. To de- we have a deal. He gets through at SCA for a good school. Mm. And I will get him certified for scuba. So wow, that's that's wow. his his motivation. And for now, I have him. Um, I will constantly buy books about marine life and um stuff about the oceans and so on. And he's learning little things. And just recently, he came into my room wiggling, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" He says, "I'm a fish." So I said, well, "Okay, wow. I'm a fisherman. I'm gonna shoot you with a spear gun and catch you now." And he says, no, I'm a parrotfish. You're not supposed Ooh. to catch me. I'm here to clean the coral reefs. So I'm like, wow, I think I'm doing something right. Yeah, yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. Now, as we, we talk about marine animals there, just, just curious, if you had to have a favorite marine animal, what would it be? As in to eat? No, nah, like just one that's just like you're fascinated by. Oh, Wow, wow, that's a great question. You know, the, the manta ray is, um, there are a couple of different manta rays, mm-hmm. but the big, big, big manta rays yeah. that have the open mouth, the very big open mouth, those 
um, those have a this tie with dolphins. Those go hand in hand. You know, um, just the other day, two weekends ago, I was doing some diving, and on the way there, we 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 were passing a, a passing a pod of dolphins. Yeah. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna jump in the water. This is my first time ever doing this. Jump in the water and hold on to a rope in the back mm-hmm. um, with my mask on, and see if I could touch the dolphins. How close I'll get to them. So I was holding on to the rope. And I would use my other hand as my direction. So I just put my hand down, and it would pull me down. To the left, it would pull me left. Uh, I was just inches. I would, the dolphins were right there swimming with me. And I was trying to touch them gently every time. Mm-hmm. But every time I put my hand out, they were just, they were, they're just so clever. Yeah. That they, they, they are, they're ahead of me. The tail is by my hand. I just reach out to put my hand on their tail. And they just do a little, and they'll shift about a foot away from me. And then right. come back. I'll try for my hand. They're, they're real clever. So I would say the dolphin yeah. and um, the manta ray head on head for me. Nice. I actually saw some dolphins uh, last, last, last week, Sunday, uh, went fishing on the north coast of Trinidad. Um, and just as we're like entering like that first bocas, we started to see, um, we saw some up ahead. There was a part about, looked like about maybe eight of them. And as mm. we got past, well, they started to pawn the show, you know, making the jumps, the splashes. It was amazing. Nice. And that was Very a good day of fishing. That. It was a good day of fishing too. We got some nice um kingfish. Mm. Yeah. But I, I stopped fishing. Um, I actually stopped eating meat on the whole. Okay. Um, so that's no longer a part of my diet uh, for various reasons. Right. Um, but I, I think at the same time, if I was to be still a meat eater. Um, I would always recommend people that fish is a is a great is it is the cleanest meat mm-hmm. um, that one can get uh, in the planet nowadays, unless you're raising your own cows, chickens, etc. Yeah, for real, right? I mean, yeah. if you if you if you could feed your own family from your backyard, then why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so Andrew, uh, you and I we're both we're both trainees, and we're yeah, both faced with a similar challenge right now. Um, mm-hmm. I guess as a result of the pandemic, we have some restrictions in place um, that include, but are not limited to access to the beach. Um, it's something that you hear different things on. Some people think it's, a, think it's a good idea. Some people think it's a terrible idea. Some people initially thought it was a good idea, but started to think, you know, maybe it's a, a terrible idea. And I mean, I have some thoughts on it, but I want to get your thoughts first on it. Um, I think it's I think it's a very bad idea, but um, us, the population of our country and the the um, the culture that we have, I do understand the 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 reason behind it to, to prevent the congregating and the and the liming is the right term, but this is the time for us to not lime on the beaches right now. This is the time to use the beaches or the seaside for health and wellness, mm-hmm. um, um, whatever that may be to you. But I personally don't believe that health and wellness is congregating and liming. I right. believe that can be done in other locations if you really need to do it um, so that the beach could be used for certain things. I think mm-hmm. it's time to introduce um, certain hours of the day and the beach could be used. So let's say they do a 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. 
Um, you know, when I was in the Canary Islands and we're in a mega, mega lockdown, that was one of the things they did. You know, they introduced um, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Right. to start, and then they introduced 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. And then they, in the afternoon, they had um, 4 p.m. because the sun went down late to 8 p.m. Okay. So the, the hotter days, of the, the hotter times of the day were not allowed for the beach. And that, was, that worked pretty well for them. Um, when they opened it fully, of course, the beach was full on. So I, um, I, I don't know how long this will go on for. Me personally, thankfully, I'm able to still go in the water to do things like um, sailing, mm-hmm. um, maintenance of, of boats, maintenance of moorings. Right. So I can still practice my free diving. I can still practice being in the water, sit up, put on my wetsuit, still go sailing, training. Um, for those who are fishermen and, and, and spared fishers, they can still continue being in the water. Um, so I do think it's important to understand what the rules are. And you go and work inside of the rules because the rules are there to, um, the laws are the laws and you don't want to be, and you know, you don't want to just be unnecessarily arrested. But I Correct. think if you play your cards right, you can still get in the ocean to continue diving, free diving, spear fishing, fishing, whatever it is you desire um, with a specific outcome. Right. And I mean, I, I understand exactly where you're coming from. Like for me personally, I feel like um, when you think about uh, uh, healthcare um, and we think about mental health, I think that um, access to, to beach facilities contribute to better mental health. I also think that um, I feel similarly about gyms and exercise. Uh, but this is not so much from a mental health point of view, but um, in terms of lifestyle-related diseases that are very prevalent here, high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, heart disease. And that's why I feel like um, uh, access to beaches, but also access to freedom to exercise, whether it be exercise with rules in place where, you know, the, the gyms may have to put in something where a person's either after book in advance or maybe even have to be vaccinated different things um i think like things like these this need to come into play um to allow for for more access and uh i think like a lot of people are getting fed up including those who initially thought yes the lockdown is a good idea um because a lot of quote-unquote freedoms are gone and i agree congregating on the beach is not and what we should be doing right now but I think there's definitely a benefit for people who want to go out and get that exercise. And I mean, I can't think of another exercise better than swimming that works out every muscle in the body, you know? Um, but I understand, especially with our culture. I mean, we think about Maracas Beach. I mean, it's, it's the line. And that's why the majority of our people go to the beach. It's for the line. And we sit on the beach under a couple of tents, we pop open a bottle of white talk or whatever and drink old talk, people buy something to eat. And, you know, it's, it's impossible to be doing that responsible level of physical and social distancing in that type of setting, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, which makes complete sense. So if that is what they're going to use in the beach for, we're going to be, continue to be in trouble. But if we're getting more of a, you know what, we're going to use this for surfing, sailing, kiteboarding, diving, free diving, um, yeah. then we have a higher chance of this working out well for us. So it works in two different ways. Um, 
I understand what they're trying to do. It's pretty clear, but I think it's time, it's time to open up um, to some level extent. Yeah. Uh, and they may say, well, they may even say, well, we don't have the capacity to manage all these beaches and capacity to manage all of these rivers. And I hear you. Um, but at that point in time, if you did do do it, it is up to us as citizens of the country to decide if you want it, respect it. If you yeah. don't want it, break it up, break up the rules, and then lock it down again, and we'll be back in the same place. So it's a uh, give and take, give and take. But what I do think is a fair one is saying, no problem. You can't be on the beach, but you can be in the ocean. And you can yeah. use the beach as a as a carriage, as a passageway. Yeah. So you can walk across the beach to get into the ocean to go and surf, to go and sail. Um, but lining on the beach, chilling on the beach, unacceptable. So there are, there are ways. Yeah. Um, and they don't have too many people creating high congregations or gatherings in the very, very remote beaches. So that shouldn't be too much of a problem. Right. Um, but I really hope this opens up very soon. Really, really hope. Not only for myself, but for the nation. Correct, correct. And when we think about um, the fact that we also have some invasive uh, species like the lionfish, um, you know, <laughs> if, the, if the divers aren't going in to catch them, uh, they're going to be having a time. Well, I think the divers should be continuing. I, I think um, on some level, a few of them are because uh, what there's one or two vendors that I know that sell lionfish, and I know they're not catching up with any fish in line, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're using a spear, they're using a pole spear. So mm-hmm. I think on, on some level, it, it is it is happening. Uh, and then there would be the commercial diving and so on that's still taking place. Yeah. And like you mentioned, boat maintenance and so on, uh, checking moorings and all those things. So there, 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 there are opportunities, just not as much recreational. And like you said, with in terms of people who want to do wakeboarding, surfing, um, and I imagine there would be some people who had entire businesses that revolve around such activities. Yeah, that's for yeah. sure. No, that's for sure. No, you know, I mean, things. I, I don't even know. What, I, don't, I, I don't even know what to expect for some of these people and how their businesses would be now. That's why the famous saying is, um, "Many lines of income is your best friend." True, so true. I think that's something that one should live by if they want to succeed out here. Um, and another classic one is um, if you always have six months of saving to cover you for six months of bills, you always have your number one ticket get out of jail on standby. Because within six months, there's a higher chance, even in a pandemic, of new job. Um, new opportunities. Yeah. Uh, six months is a nice buffer, I should say. Nice, nice. Well, hey, Andrew, thanks a lot. This has been a, a pretty nice chat. I really appreciate you taking the time uh, out of that, that family schedule, which is a number one priority right now uh, for mm-hmm. us to have this conversation. Thank you very much, Larry, for having me. And uh, I wish you all the best and to all the divers and the, I say, watermen and women out there. Hope you'll get back in the water soon. Let's continue to push for the opening up of the beaches and the oceans for a healthy, positive way. And um, yeah, look forward to one day crossing you in the water free diving, Larry. Yeah, well, soon. That, that, I mean, it will happen. Uh, let me not say soon, but it will happen. Uh, for now, good, I need good. to um, 
need to get, to get some more dives under my belt, you know? So No problem. Yeah, probably. When you're ready some... for, the, for the freeness, you know where to find me. For sure, man. For sure. All right. Keep good. Thanks a lot. Same here, Larry. All the best. Bye-bye.